0: Welcome back to the Urantia Radio Podcast. Another episode. And we'll be talking about some interesting things coming up, some excerpts from the book. And I also want to introduce a couple of topics that maybe you could feedback to me what your ideas would be on them. Also, I want to tell you that the UBIS folks are ready again for another season of online courses. And it gives you a couple of different things. UBIS is a Urantia Book Internet Study School. And it's uh, funded partly by, or I think mostly by, the foundation. And they started this, oh, I don't know, they say 20 years ago. And I've taken a few. And it's nice because it's at a a great pace. You know, every week you read, then you respond, and then other people respond to what you share about your thoughts about a particular subject, and they have a bunch of different courses. If you go to urantia.org, there is a link to the UBIS, and they'll list some of the courses that are coming up. And it's real easy to get to, urantia.org, U-R-A-N-T-I-A.org and then just look for something on the page about the UBIS. Um, in fact, I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. I might just see what is going on. You know, I have to tell you, I've noticed, and I'm not the only one noticing this, but it does seem to me that things don't work as well as they used to. Have you noticed that? Uh, Where was I the other day? It just seems like things were faster. Like when you order something online, it would get to you right away. Uh, uh, Internet was more stable. Cell phones... Seems like the infrastructure of the planet is is not as good as it used to be. I don't know what's going on there. It's frustrating. Maybe I'm just too spoiled. Uh, I also think that the de-evolution of humanity seems to be underway. I don't know what is going on out there, but it just seems like the craziness is going to a a whole new level. Have you experienced that? Have you had... Like when you leave your home and you go out... Have you had any anybody attack you or rob you? Or maybe you heard about somebody who who has? It just seems like it's not as safe anymore. I turn on the TV. You know, I and this is something maybe it's common with you... And maybe family or friends that you have. But everything is so political... And I'm not sure why. I'll give you a good example. You know, we're getting together for our holiday and uh, the what, somebody had expressed a concern that they wanted everyone to be vaccinated. Now, we're already a couple years into this thing. And by now, everybody's been exposed to the virus. And we have people who've taken the vaccine or they stopped taking it or they continue to take the boosters. Everybody is different. Everybody's taking a different approach. But one thing that is a consensus is that the vaccines, you know, are not going to prevent you from, you know, getting COVID or giving it to somebody else. And, and I guess they're saying that the vaccines are, you know, they're, they'll prevent you from dying. Now, I've heard arguments against that. Uh, I read a lot. So I, I don't think that other people read as much as me. I think most, most simple people, they got busy lives and they spend a lot of time at work or with their kids, or doing all kinds of things, and uh, they don't have time to read two, three hours worth of news. And I'm particularly interested in the COVID thing for a number of reasons. One, because it's a virus, and it was created in a laboratory, apparently, by a government that wants to destroy uh, America, or at least sees us as an enemy, and they want to, you know, they're flooding the country with, Fentanyl, over 100,000 people died just this year from fentanyl. Now, I don't know anybody personally, but maybe you do. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I read the other day that this German fellow, he has created an ectolab. Have you heard of this? An ectolab. And it's a giant, it looks just like the bio tubes in The Matrix, if you ever saw that movie just this large factory with these little incubators for, for babies. And he's proud of this. He's, oh, this is going to be great. All these people that have fertility problems, they won't have to worry. You can order your baby. You can, like, go online and tell, click, I want this, I want this. And they'll use this CRISPR technology. Now, all of this is sort of like, yeah, we're almost there, but here, look at what we got so far. They're working on it. And I just I was like, who, who comes up with these ideas? that this is okay. And then there's this whole thing with the trans movement. You got one side of people who think it's just, it's, it's incredibly insensitive not to recognize that there are trans transgender people. Then you got the other side that's saying, all this is is a way for the medical industry to get their hands in there and make a lot of money on, on puberty blockers. And, and I tend to sway towards that. I mean, money is the driver of a lot of things and it's corrupted Everything, so I don't know why it wouldn't corrupt, you know, the medical industry. I mean, they are profit-driven, just like everybody else. But it's under the guise of "we'll help you," but are they helping people? I mean, you know, is there such thing as someone being gender fluid? I don't. I. I mean, I hate to go back to the Urantia book on this, but I don't remember anything about gender fluidity being discussed. In fact, I don't even think the word homosexual is in the book. But it doesn't mean that the book is anti-gay. What it says is that two adults, actually it says, ironically, that man is inherently a bisexual creature. Isn't that funny? But it's a different context. It's not bisexual as in sexuality and having sex. It means that we have both female and male genetics. We're, we're two, like the left hand and right hand of the human species. And we share this Bisexuality with almost every other animal in existence. So it's a pattern that has been set up by the life carriers, to be blunt. And these are the sons, the divine sons, whose job it is, is to create the kinds of life forms that will evolve into evolutionary, spiritually ascending will creatures. And not just on our world, but every world. That's the plan. And so it seems like there's an introduction into all these ideas that are coming up that, that don't make me feel very good about the future, or at least the immediate future. You know, one day we're going to look back on what we did with our children. I'm not saying there's no such thing as transsexuality. I'm saying that when you're dealing with children who are making this decision, because they're confused, because they're being introduced to all of this in culture, In Disney movies and all kinds of different ways, very subtle ways, it almost seems very almost demonic to me that you would have so much pressure being put on allowing children to make the decision of which sexuality or what sexuality they identify with. That seems like narcissism to me. It seems like there's a lot of other things that could be affecting an immature decision most of all, social peer pressure. And there's been an an extraordinary increase in the percentage of girls who are now identifying as boys in the middle age and high school level. So it went from always at about 1% to all of a sudden it's 50, 40, 40% increase. Well, obviously that must be peer pressure. So anyway, that's one thing. Then you've got, Uh, just so many different things in society that seem to work against progress. And the, the race issue is at a fever pitch. Every single day I hear about somebody who is, you know, it's like a virtue now to accomplish something and be of color, you know, uh, a lot of it seems like. You remember, about thirty years ago, they started introducing, um, what they call a special achievement award. You'd get a, ch- a special achievement award just for showing up in school, and they did it because they didn't want you to feel bad. And that's what it drives a lot of this stuff today. If you read, what did I read earlier? Uh, there was something. Oh, I have to find it. It's it's it's. A video about all of the things oh, I know what it was. Yesterday I was taking a test or a survey from my employer. And I and it had about, I don't know, fifty questions. A lot of it, you know, are you do you work in a good environment? Do you like where you work? You know, do you get along with everybody? Is your management receptive to your needs? And then it started getting into questions like, you know, are you transgender? Do you feel that you are accepted in your work environment? Are you gay? Are you you know, and it starts to sound like am, I'm being asked if my if my employer is treating me like a child? Like, like are they are they a good parent? You know, are they being fair to me? Are they addressing do I live in an open environment it really started to sound like like I was a child being asked questions are you, you your mommy and daddy okay are they treating you well are they giving you and I and I so there's it's like my employer doesn't owe me a damn thing I owe him 40 hours of work week and being productive and helping my company grow they don't owe me a damn thing you know so who is this but they want to get the they want to get the award. They want to get the best place to work award because it helps them. So, they want their own special achievement award, I suppose. Anyway, so that's that's sort of on my mind as we head into the and plus it's bitter cold. A lot of people are cold. And people don't go outdoors when they're cold. They tend to be isolated. Uh, more and more people now working from home. Boy, that's the problem. That is the problem because if people aren't talking to each other and all they're doing is reading about things and reading Twitter and all that social media, all they're doing is reading what other people are saying and what other people are thinking. About two years ago, the news stopped being about news and, and instead now is shifted to being about what people think or what people that you know say. Like everybody's talking about Megan and, and, and William, uh, what's his name? I, you know, I, I, I am so unconcerned with them that I don't even know the guy's name. Willie? Is it Willie? Bobby? I, I don't even remember. There's William. What's the other guy's name? The red-haired dude. I don't even know. I don't even care. Anyway, so in the trimester courses that are coming up on the Urantia Book Internet School, it's uh, they're going to have different courses. One of them is an introduction to the Urantia Book. Which is hosted by Michael and Ralph Zare. And it's an introductory course. Sometimes, even if you're a reader for a long, long time, and you, you know, it might be good to go back and refresh, I might do that. That would be a good, you know, because, you know, I've read it a lot, but, you know, you miss stuff. And plus, it's good to get other people's perspective. Oh, here's one from Bruce Johnson Early Evolutionary History of Urantia. They're going to go over Papers 57, 58, 59, 60, and 61. It's considered a basic course. That would be fun. If you're into early history, oh man, uh, they go over all that. In In fact, they explore the sequences of magnificent events, including the origins of our local universe, our sun, the planets. It goes on to talk about the different beings and what they do. And it kind of goes into the, you know what I found most interesting about that, about how we came to be? Do you know, in my mind, the way they described the birth of our son, Monmesia, that it erupted in the final eruption of a nebula that had produced something to the neighborhood of maybe, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000 suns, not all at once, but we were part of the last dispersion. I think there were two. I could be wrong. Maybe I should take that course. But to me, the birth of stars is no different than a a woman giving birth. Same thing. You know, if you look at it that way, the birth of our solar system was the birth of life because our sun had all the inherent qualities to produce the chemicals that could make up the compounds that led to the eventual appearance of life and not by accident. Any more than a child is born is by accident. They're also going to be talking about the untold story of the birth and childhood of Jesus. These are courses that the Urantia Book Internet School are doing. That's also considered a basic level. And Nugrojo, Weedy or Weedy or Whitey, if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry, he'll be conducting that course. Stuart Kerr will be conducting a course on Machaventa Melchizedek, and we've been talking about him recently on the podcast. And then uh, Tim Duffy will have a course on the new Messiah. Jesus begins the final phases of his bestowal. Jeff Taylor will do a course on space and time, time and space. That should be very interesting, and it's considered an advanced course. It's free. You don't pay anything. They never ask you for money. But you can give them money. You should give them money. If you're going to donate, I will give you some advice. And I don't normally do this, but Uncle Sam is going to come after a lot of your money next year. If you want to do something good with your money and you have a little extra, then give it to the foundation or the association or the fellowship. All of these people, uh, it's growing exponentially. The—the the, I can see it. I, I didn't see it as much, but I see it more now. They're having more courses. I think Zoom and podcasts, certainly, and what's what's going on with uh, Cosmic Citizen and Derek Simas, Simas? Uh All of these people are doing great work. Uh, Tong is doing great work with his stuff. The folks over in Israel, Gabriel, and doing the Metaverse project. There's all these wonderful projects and every project means that somebody is being introduced to the Arantia book and its truths. And to my grave, I will go uh, believing that it is the fifth epical revelation. You know, I take it seriously. I'm sorry that so many people do not. It's uh, unfortunate to me That so many people, and I don't push it. I won't. I'm not going to. Anybody who knows me well knows that I read it. They want to ask me a question. I won't tell anybody. And I know it's sometimes hard to come on and do these podcasts. And I think it's the most exciting thing on the planet, and this planet is a wreck right now. It's a real wreck. And I'm not going to point fingers, but I just think the whole group is misguided. Our, our priorities now are very strange, and they're very um, hypocritical in many ways. They're sexualizing children, yet sex is considered uh, oppressive. Relationships based on sexuality, normal sexuality, are seen as oppressive, it seems. Uh, family is, is diminishing, or at least what, what I grew up believing was the core family, is it seems to be under attack in a sense, not so much directly, but indirectly. Indirectly, meaning that it's not as special as anybody else's kind of relationship. Like marriage now is, is no more greater, no more less than any kind of relationship that you engage in for whatever reason. Now, it seems to me that the Arantia book is clear that marriage between two adults... Is where you learn all of life's most important lessons, especially when you have children, because it's when you have children that you begin to understand things from God's perspective, like giving all you got. You know, God is so self distributive, He's all over the place. He's in us, He's around us, He's the energy, He's outside of the energy, He's the unqualified absolute, He's energy potential, He's energy factual. He's purposive, purposes, is that right? He is, he is in love. He is love. He is the source of love. He is the destiny and the source of personalities. He is all of those things and so much more. And he is, he is worth worship. And without that idea burning in the minds of human beings, where are we headed? What are we doing? What's going on? Another woman wrote and asked if if anybody's had near-death experiences and would they share it on the rate? Would they share it? If they are a Urantia book reader and uh, if they have uh, ever had an experience of dying and did they see anything and did it look like what the Urantia book describes? Who wrote this? This must have been a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, Jackie Gleason. He writes, Jim, uh, happy Friday. I've become so fascinated by Jackie Gleason that I can't stop researching and writing it. Have you any chance spoken with other people who said they saw Jackie Gleason talk about the Arantia book on Johnny Carson? I'll send you a bio. I've been working on it. This was just before COVID. I don't think he ever sent me a bio. Uh, Michael, if you... Forgot to send me the bio. Will you resend it? Jackie Gleason was on Johnny Carson, and he did mention the Arantia book, but Johnny cut him off. You know who told me that? My dad. He said he he did not hear about the Arantia book until I mentioned it to him years later because I discovered it in 82. and My father was still alive, and I we were talking about it. I gave him the book. He loved the book. Thank God somebody in my family. Well, my brother too. There are people who who aren't bothered by, they kind of think it's cool that I, I like the Arantia book. Other people just will avoid it like the plague. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, my dad said, you know, that book that you started reading, Jim, I remember that Jackie Gleason mentioned it on Johnny. Must have been recently. I mean, how would he remember such a book? Uh, Byron Beletsos is going to join us probably later next week. He came back from that uh, Religious Academy convention, uh, Academy of Advanced Religions. or Anyway, so academic. We'll talk to him. I don't know why I have such trouble. It must be COVID. Uh, but he's going to talk about his experiences and what it was like to, to ha- hang with the academic among us these are people that basically are teachers of religion across all of our universities and colleges. And they get together once a year and they talk about, well, I don't know. That's what we're going to talk to Byron about. So that might happen as soon as next week, but he is signed to come on Sunday. We'll talk and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I am really thrilled that the folks that have joined us throughout the year, including Diane Lebrecht Uh, Rick Lyon, all the folks over, as I mentioned, Gabriel Reinberg, the folks down in South America, all over the place working on great projects. And I know that a lot of folks want to, uh, I've invited a lot of folks, and i got to get to that, but it's been kind of crazy. with The hurricane kind of threw everything over for me down here in South Florida. But I I do want to just especially mention again that the UBIS is starting in January. And I wanted to come on and just mention that January seventh, registration opens. Orientation begins January fourteenth. It sounds like a lot of work. It really isn't. You basically you read a paper. Everybody reads the same paper, and then you then you answer five questions in writing. The course director will give you five questions, and you answer them. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just your interpretation of what you. Interpreted from that paper. And then other people write and you can see what they write and you can respond to what they write. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And it's at a really good pace. It's like one section a week. So I would encourage you to go on the website. Let me see what the website is. I'll leave it. Maybe it's just easy. Uh, UBIS.Urantia.org UBIS... Oh, here we go. Okay, it's... This might be complicated, but write it down. New dot U-B-I-S dot, dot org. So once again, new dot ubis dot, dot org. and that is the Urantia Book International School. So until next time, we went a little longer than normal, but happy holidays. Be safe. Stay warm, and uh, and we'll see you next time maybe with Byron coming up in a few days. Talk to you soon.